Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 95 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we are talking about fraud. It is a topic that probably not many people enjoy talking about, but something that is important, and we want to cover some of the challenges that you can run into and how to avoid them. So in order to help me tackle that, I have with me partner here at PJS and Co. CPAs, VCFO, CPA, and advisor, Katina Peters. Welcome, Katina. Thank you, Megan. Yes, this topic is uh, one of those hard realities that business owners have to face and prepare for uh, because unfortunately it does happen uh, quite frequently. So yeah, I think it's, like you said, never fun to talk about, never fun to think about somebody you know, doing something that goes against your hard work uh, as a business owner, but uh, we want to make sure that we share the information and that um, you as a business owner can be, you know, just on the lookout and putting things in place that can mitigate the chances of that happening to you. Yes. Yes. And we're all about avoiding and preparedness, preventing, anything like that. So to start off with, let's first address how widespread this problem is because it's not something that just happens, you know, maybe in 1% of companies, right? Like we'd all like to think, oh, it's rare. People don't really do that. But the harsh reality is that it isn't all that rare. Yeah, unfortunately. And I, you know, you know, you hear about it out there. Um, us as CPAs, you know, we we kind of get uh, a lot of that information like pushed at us, like watch for fraud and here's how you see what fraud looks like and things like that. Um, so, you know, maybe a little more aware of it just generally in our day to day situations as far as just receiving newsletters and information from our professional societies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But as we looked into it in preparation for this podcast, we wanted to give you some kind of up to date uh information about the statistics around fraud and uh, small businesses, first of all, smaller businesses, which are still, you know, large businesses, but smaller than your big corporate conglomerates, etc., have much higher percentages of fraud than larger organizations. So a recent statistic here was 28% of small businesses experience fraud. That's a pretty biggest over a quarter of businesses. So that's a pretty big percentage um, of people that have to go through this and and experience this, unfortunately. And then, you know, if we kind of compare that as far as, you know, the larger businesses, they still have a pretty high percentage, 22 to 26%. So it's not super far off, but small businesses are a little more targets and they don't maybe has, have as many controls and, you know, they're not maybe as uh, set up or, or for prevention um, as maybe larger businesses are for that. So um, I think you shared uh, where we got that stat from uh, as well in our notes here. Yeah, yeah. I'll link to all of these stats in the show notes, which can be found at pjscpas.com forward slash nine five. And you can always check it out too. It's uh, businessfraudprevention.org 
is where we pulled that information. And they have, it looked like quite a few good resources on there too, if you're interested or maybe have concerns about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, They also gave a couple of examples of of some more frequent types of fraud that occur. So they said billing and payroll fraud occur twice as often as other types of fraud um, and check and payment tampering occurs even more four times as often. Um, So, you know, those are some, I guess, high risk areas that you want to pay attention to. So again, uh, check and payment tampering and then billing and payroll fraud. So those are areas that you really want to focus in on because that seems to be a high area of fraud frequency to make sure that you're paying attention to. Great. And then taking a look at, well, how could this potentially impact my business? Like if I don't currently have anything in place to prevent this from happening, what am I potentially looking at as far as damages go? Yeah, I mean, the damages can be you know, fairly far reaching and extensive depending on, you know, the, fra- uh, the level of the fraud involved in the business. Um, obviously, if someone's stealing money that you're working hard to earn, um, that's going to potentially affect your cash flow in the business and, and make things, you know, not function like they should or, or plan to function. So cash flow can be hit, your productivity can be uh, hit by this um, because again, you maybe uh, you don't have the resources that you would have had um, if you were able to retain all that money and continue to build and grow your business, etc. So that's you know also of concern, just the overall growth of your business, and then your reputation can be damaged too because you know depending on what type of business you are, your word gets out or whatever that uh, fraud's been going on at your company for years, and you know those kinds of things. You know that can damage a professional reputation potentially. Um, and harm your brand, you know, harm uh, your potential for getting new clients, uh, customers, etc. So, so that can be a big problem. And not to mention, it's just very, um, you know, anytime somebody is the victim of something like that, <laughs> when there's fraud or a robbery or something like that, obviously that really shakes foundations for you, for your other employees, your leadership team, those kinds of things as well. So, kind of that ounce of prevention, you know motto here can really help a lot and uh, kind of protect against those things from happening. Yeah, I think that's a good point to acknowledge too, that it's easy to, you know, look at these numbers and say, you know, look at the stats and look at maybe dollar amounts and things like that. But there's this other non-tangible side of fraud that it affects you emotionally, you know, because you're putting trust in these people that have potentially worked with you for years and years. So just to have this, the peace of mind, and that's why we're going to cover how to avoid that and prevent it as much as possible, because it just gives you an extra added layer of peace of mind that, you know, I, I have these checks and balances in place to avoid this from happening and avoid putting myself or others in, potentially in a position to, right. to be a victim. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, as we have talked about many times before, you need people and you need to have, you know, be able to delegate, be able to spread the load, et cetera, to be able to grow a business. So, you know, you know, definitely still advocating that that's the situation. You just want to put those protections in place around that trust and delegation um, to help, you know, mitigate any potential problems that may occur. Perfect. All right. So now we want to cover the five most common areas. 
so that you have an idea, you know, maybe you don't have anything in place right now. And like I say, with a lot of the things that we talk about, this can be really overwhelming if you're looking at your whole business, like, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. But this may help you kind of focus on the the more common areas that this may happen. And then, like I said, we're going to address how to put some safeguards in place too. So Katina, can you tell us a little bit about what are the, the biggest areas to look out for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to just give a quick list and then we'll kind of come out and talk a little bit about each one. Payroll fraud, which we kind of already mentioned before. Cash theft. Online banking. False invoicing and invoice email, which was kind of an odd um, term for it. So we'll explain what that means because I actually had to look up, what is that? (laughs) It wasn't something that I had really encountered before. But these are the five most common uh, types of fraud that businesses have to deal with. So on the payroll fraud, you're looking for things like false hours. Somebody's reporting hours that they're not working. Extra paychecks. So, you know, we slip a couple extra paychecks in there for Bob or what have you. So that, that in that case, it's like the actual employee, they're just getting more money than they should be getting based on the, the agreement that you made was hourly salary, whatever. It, it's, right. They're getting paid more. Then there's also these false employees. Sometimes um, somebody who's, you know, maybe you have an HR department or something like that and somebody sets up, oh, this I'm a false person <laughs> that they're going to start paying that's not really a person that's working for the company. So that's a whole other area that this can occur. You know, everyone knows that the cash is, you know, kind of the most dangerous, I think, if you're in business. If you're dealing with a lot of cash, that's a place where a lot of theft occurs because it's easy to grab when it's right there, right? <laughs> it's cash. It's it's right. not as traceable. It's not like there's a check going to someone's bank account, you know, where it's going, et cetera. So I think that one's, you know, everybody pretty much knows about. And then there's online banking. So this one's obviously continues to come more and more popular, right? People are, have been doing online banking for quite some time now, which is great in its convenience and um, the things that you can do more easily and efficiently with it. But you have to be careful, you know, who has access, what your controls are around that. Um, because especially in in the form of transfers and transferring funds, that seems to be the, the biggest place for fraud to occur. So they can easily you know, maybe transfer something from your account into their account. And then there's false invoicing. So this is where there's someone's generating false product invoices or service invoices and sending them to your accounts payable department and getting paid for things that didn't actually occur, that you didn't hire them to do, etc. So they're actually, you know, setting themselves up like they're a supplier or a service provider and sending in invoices. It's getting processed through and paid and, you know, that occurs. And then there's also payment diverting, which kind of falls into the next category a little bit too, but where it's basically they're taking what should have been the payment to the real supplier or the real service provider and diverting it into a different account. So it's not actually getting paid to the person that's owed the, the funds, which eventually catches up because somebody's going to yell if they're not getting paid, right? <laughs> but that does, right. does occur. And it can occur in large amounts before it's it's caught. Okay. And then invoice email. So this is pretending to be existing suppliers 
and changing the terms or the payment arrangements. So this is kind of like payment diversion as well, but doing it through emails where you say, oh, hey, I'm ABC company. Um, we said we wanted you to pay us this way, but we're going to change that. We want you to pay us this way instead. So they're taking and saying, so basically diverting the payment again, That's, uh, but in, in a maybe different way here, but they're saying we want you to pay us differently or maybe more in advance than what we originally agreed. And they're obviously providing false payment information where that payment should go to so that they can collect the funds. So, so those are the big, the five most common areas. There are, of course, other areas, but those are the ones that you want to maybe really check out. Like Megan said, if you just check out these areas, you're going to be the most protected, at least in the situations. Okay. And as I'm listening to some of these, they sound so easy to catch. Like, if you are a victim of these, I would totally kick myself, right? Because it sounds like, oh, well, I should have seen that, right? Like, I think we hear that a lot in a, in a lot of different situations. But sure. as your business grows and as you become more hands-off, like you need to be in order mm -hmm. to grow the business, yep. the chances of these happening when you don't have these safeguards in place increases drastically because you have so many more people removed, you know, from you actually cutting the bill to these vendors or, you know, right. you just aren't involved in the day to day anymore. So I, on its face, it's like, well, God, that sounds so easy to catch, but also yeah. <laughs> not so much because the business has grown to a point that you're not involved directly. Right. And you're busy and you're busy running the business. You're busy, you know, doing the things that make the business grow, et cetera. So, you know, the point is just like everything else, you want to build it into your systems to where you can have, you know, the system catch any potential problems. Right. So that way it's not, you know, like you said, sure, you could have seen it if you were looking at every single thing that goes on in your business, but you, you can't possibly do that. Um, so it's got to be built into the systems that you build for processing payroll and AP and, you know, those kinds of things so that it is, you know, catching it within that internal control system. So this, and it is something that, Obviously, the reason we know about all this is because it's happened to people, right? <laughs> like, this is right. Why, why we know. Um, so it's it's not like, and I'm sure those business owners were very taken aback, were, you know, saying the same thing, like, why should, why didn't I see this? Those kinds of things. But it's really, you just have to really build it in. And you can't expect that you're going to be able to catch things like that as you continue to grow. And like you said, get more removed unless it's built into that system. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what kinds of things you can build in to the system to help protect against these types of fraud. Yeah. So let's now switch gears so that we aren't kicking ourselves in the future and saying, why didn't I catch that? <laughs> so what are the things? And, you know, it still happens. I mean, regardless, like you can put safeguards in place and unfortunately, like there's just things that happen. But what we can do is put as many things in place as possible to avoid it from happening um, if we can. Yeah. You want to mitigate the the chances, make it much more slim and mitigate the opportunities. Um, so again, especially the more deterrence you put in the way, the less likely somebody's going to try something too, because right. it's not like just easy pickings, as they say. <laughs> so, right. you know, that's another part of it too. Not that, that somebody couldn't collude and still do it. You know, it could definitely happen. There's not any 
internal control system in the world that can stop every type of you know potential fraud especially if you have people working together to perpetrate it but it definitely sets up you know that removal of the opportunity making it really difficult so there's chances of getting hot or higher etc so people are going to just be less likely to do that so in protecting your business you want to, first of all, hire carefully. So in hiring carefully, you're asking for references and actually following up on references. I, I have run into a lot of businesses that ask for references, but they don't call them or talk to them or, you know, make sure they're real, <laughs> things yeah. like that. So, um, so I know it's a little more time consuming um, to do that. And, but you just want to make sure that you're actually doing it because you can find out a lot of valuable things from doing that and you know just have that again first of all are they real references that's that's a big red flag if, if you can't get a hold yeah. of the person or they're never responding to you and then also you know what do they have to say and then also running background checks on everybody I think that's just a, a good thing to do you want to know if there's any flags in their history of criminal activity or things that you know might point to them having issues potentially in the future so that's always a good thing to do as well. And then some other things that sound a little strange, but actually have been found in studies to work pretty well. And I know we've talked about core values before, but establishing core values and codes of conduct and talking about them and holding them in high regard and actually doing them from leadership down, et cetera, it, it really sets a tone for the business. And it sounds strange, but when you think about it a little bit, um, people are in some ways, for whatever reason, less likely to steal from a company that they feel has good ethics and good conduct and those kinds of things. Whereas like if they're like, oh, this company is just terrible, they're mean, they're nasty, they're whatever, they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> they don't miss a little bit of money. Um, so, you right. know, so there's kind of this attitude that comes along with it sometimes. And it, it just really kind of helps. And it also helps, you know, the surrounding people have kind of more of a they're looking out for the company too like they're watching kind of what's going on not to be like they're out to get somebody but they're gonna be more like protective of the company that they work right. for and that they like and that they feel is a good um company so there's that and that's people well. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, for sure. And then you want to educate and cross-train different positions. And that comes into, again, just people kind of knowing what's going on, um, being able to step into different roles. I mean, that has lots of value, not just in the fraud area, but um, you can, you know, if somebody's on vacation or sick leave. And, you know, they do say one of the big things is make sure people actually take vacation and have someone step into their job because there's many times that someone who's perpetrating fraud will not take vacation because they know somebody's going to figure out what they're doing if they're not in the office or not, you know, in their job. So, um, you know, it, it's it, time and time again, that's come up. It's kind of weird. But it's like they, they won't take the time off because they know if somebody steps in to their role, they're going to figure out something's fishy. So that's another one to enforce. And I know different employers have different feelings on that. I mean, I think obviously I think taking vacation is good for mental health and for, you know, Which doing a the job and getting rest and, you know, those kinds of things and just better being better performers but it also has this that comes into play as well which is interesting hmm. so there's a yeah, few things i never would have thought of that that's a good point so i know you mentioned too that we can create some procedures or policies that in place structure it in a way that helps 
mitigate that risk as well. So what are some things that we can do procedurally to help avoid situation? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people probably hear the internal control word thrown around a lot. <laughs> so, but that's, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about kind of what that means and how those the kinds of things work. So in every process and procedure that you have in your business, so you're running payables, accounts payable, accounts receivable, things like that, you know, running a cash drawer, um, you need to have those series of checks and balances in place. So let's take payroll, for example. So you have people, they are maybe submitting timesheets. Those timesheets should have another level of approval on them. For example, somebody submits a timesheet, the supervisor says, yep, they worked those days. <laughs> you know, I know that they were in the office or doing work for me if it's virtual, whatever the case may be. So there's that secondary check on it before it gets into payroll, HR, whoever's doing the payroll processing to actually get processed. Um, and then at that level, there's somebody probably likely looking at it too for, is this reasonable? You know, is it way more hours than they should be submitting? What's the reason? You know, kind of, and these people are all kind of removed, you know, more from each other. So, you know, kind of the more you have that removal of that relationship, they're going to be looking at it more like data. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, Bob, you trust him, you know, kind of thing. We want, you know, we want that separation in there. And then we want the review of the payroll to go through a process, whether that's the owner or somebody else um, reviewing that payroll input to make sure everything makes sense. And then ultimately, it's going to be getting paid. So there's going to be that series of steps in place to help mitigate potential fraudulent activity there. Um, Same on the hiring side. You know, you said you can have, you know false employees. (laughs) So you want to have a series of checks and balances over there so that, you know, we've got this person on the right hand side who's maybe running all the payroll shouldn't should as much as possible be separated from the person doing the hiring. So you have this like payroll person going, oh, okay, you're hiring this new person give me all their documents or they're kind of seeing interviews going on. So they know that this is like a real thing. It's not just the same person able to just put in whatever they want and, you know, pretend this person exists. So there's just those internal controls and checks and balances. You know, there's things in the cash side. Um, You know, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, you know, if you have a cash drawer, you do cash counts, the supervisor sign off, you know, the person there is responsible for, you know, the balances in there and making sure the funds, you know, are all accounted for, um, et cetera. So having those checks and balances having checks and balances and processing payables, signing checks. I typically recommend that most business owners keep control of the check signing function for a pretty good amount of time. And then when they decide to separate it out, we typically recommend that they keep funds in more of an operating account and segregated from maybe some of the cash reserves or other just buildup of, you know, capital that they're trying to do because, and then the only thing that that person on the operating account can do is sign the checks for that account. They have no control over the rest of it. Transfers have to be made, you know, by someone else who's approved or yourself. Um, So again, you, you just mitigate that. How much could they actually perpetrate fraud against because they are having to just control this one account and do the check signing or authorization, whether it's electronically or what have you. So there's another way that you can kind of put those checks and balances in. Bank reconciliations, that's a big one. You know, somebody separate should be doing those bank reconciliations independent of the people doing all the processing of checks and things like that. If you're receiving 
physical payments in, whether that's cash or checks. Um, you know, again, you should have separation of person recording it, person doing deposits. So, you know, you have those different separations going on. And the person, a lot of times person doing deposits versus the person ensuring that they receive the payments should be separate because they log it, they do the deposit, person entering the payment separate. If they're the same person, they could say, oh, yep, we received this money, hide it in the accounting and actually pocket the cash. So, you know, there's things like that that can occur. So you want to make sure you have those separations as much as you can. It's a little harder when you're smaller, don't have as many people, but you can segregate as much as possible. And you're probably going to be a little more involved anyway in the business at that level if you're not super big yet. So you're going to have a little more of that direct knowledge like we were talking about earlier than as you continue to grow and get bigger. Right. Okay. All right. So a couple other things. We talked a little bit about the person going on vacation and rotating job responsibilities periodically. So when you have sensitive areas like that, if you rotate Redelegate, you know, change things up a little bit. You, again, you have, and th- this is good for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's not just about fraud. That definitely can catch, like we said, somebody's going on vacation, you know, somebody else steps in, they might be like, hey, this looks really fishy. I'm not sure this is right. You know, let's take a look at it. But also, in doing those kinds of rotations, you get a fresh set of eyes on things, um, especially when it comes to improvement of systems and procedures. They may have different ideas, like, oh, hey, this is the way we've been doing it, but they may be more likely to be like, why are we doing it this way? How come we're not doing it that way? This would be so much easier because they're just not, they just haven't been in the position to just continue to do it, do it and do it. And sometimes you kind of just get in the habit and you do your job and you don't necessarily think to question doing it a different way as things change. Um, So sometimes that can help there too. So there's other reasons for that. And the cross training is always good. Like you said, you never know somebody's going to get sick or have to leave town or sick parent or whatever. Um, and then you already have somebody that knows, you know, basically the role. They might not be like super duper great at it because they haven't been doing it, but they could step in and kind of take up things. And if you're rotating a little, they've had some experience in that as well. Keep control of your finances. So again, we talked a little bit about that, right? Being the check signer, segregating Mm -hmm. funds out. You know, also this goes back to online banking too. (laughs) So there's a lot of online banking things that are going on. So, you know, if you have someone you can give maybe read access to the account so they can do the bank reconciliations, but they have no control in the the account to do anything. They can't make transfers. They can't make payments, things like that. If you're going to hand have them do those kinds of things. That's again, you want to get into that really safe control area to where you're limiting access to other accounts or they can't, they're not allowed to make transfers or they're only allowed to make transfers of XYZ and just having kind of some of those rules in place as far as that goes. So you want to make sure that you're kind of watching out for that. And another a little um, more unusual thing to see in a small business is internal audits. So you always think, of, you think of auditors, IRS auditors, auditor, financial auditors, like, ah, oh, they're going to come, you know, do bad things in here. But yeah, a scary word to a lot of just lay people. It is. I know. Ah, what do you mean audit? I don't do that. Um, so internal audits are set up so that you you actually kind of basically do an audit of yourself. So you have someone internally, or you can always bring someone in from externally to check out certain things, to audit the trail of transactions, to make sure that nothing funny is going on in the accounts receivable department or in the accounts payable department, payroll department, etc. So so that's something that you can do 
internally once a year or you know, a couple years. Um, again, you can hire somebody to help if you want to as well from an external perspective. But those things can also just be good um, from a couple perspectives. First of all, you can potentially find stuff, of course, that would be one thing. You also get maybe a little level of comfort. Okay, we did all this and we didn't find anything. So probably things are going okay at this point. Um, not that internal audits right. will catch everything, but they do. And then you also have that culture of your company that knows, hey, we do internal audits. So people, again, less likely to want to perpetrate fraud if they know you're going behind them and auditing once a year or what have you. Right. Um, they're going to be a little more like, yeah, maybe not. Um, so it's just, again, that a little bit of that deterrent situation there as well. So. so would you go back and audit like those top five areas that we talked about? Or are there specific audits that are better for smaller, but like where, what area do you think, like maybe one or two, if you had to pick, sure. would you choose to implement? Yeah, I, I mean, again, um, so, and, and just to clarify, this is a different type of audit than you would hear in like the financial world, not the same. This is more like what we would refer to as like agreed upon procedures. We're going to look at one specific line of payroll or AP process or what have you. So yeah, I would probably um, say I would focus on, you know, the big areas with regards to where things normally occur. Um, So and I think if you cover those, I mean, the three that I would put at the top, maybe four, would be like payroll, accounts payable, accounts receivable, and then maybe just kind of overall cash, looking at what's going on with the cash situation reconciliations, any funniness going on, journal entries, things like that, that don't look right. So that's going to catch, I mean, really most of your financial transactions right there. So that's where I would focus. Perfect. And then we had one last thing that we wanted to throw out there too, just in general, as far as how do you maybe pick up on something that is a little fishy going on? Like what you may have like a sixth sense of um, something just seems off in this situation, but mm-hmm. is there anything like telltale that you've seen in situations in the past or something that you've been told to look out for as a CPA that kind of is a red flag? Yeah, definitely. Um, watch, watch for, watching for those red flags, as you said. Um, so, you know, one that we actually didn't have on our list, but it came up earlier was people that just never want to take vacation Sometimes they're just really hard workers and they just really, you know, love their jobs and things like that. But that can be a red flag. They're really, you know, like, no, no, I don't want to, you know, take time off. Um, you, you really should have kind of that policy in that, no, you have to take time off. <laughs> so you or something. Um, so there's that. And then also looking at things like, you know, strange changes in cash flow patterns. Like what is going on? Something that's maybe unexplainable or hard to explain or just doesn't quite fit the narrative of what's going on in the business and why is it different you know that can definitely be a sign that something is going on I mean there's sometimes cash flow patterns that happen but they typically have explanations if you know and if not if you can't quite get to the bottom of that I would start digging a little bit more perhaps to see what what might be happening stock shrinkage we didn't really talk about this it's not like one of the top five partially because not every business carries inventory and stock. So that's that's part of it. But if you have inventory and stock and things are just you're losing inventory for un- unexplained reasons, you know, you want to do inventory counts. If you keep, you know, having inventory that's just kind of disappearing, not being sold, uh, that's a pretty big red flag that somebody's maybe yeah. taking your inventory, selling it on the side or what have you. 
utilizing it themselves. And then you want to look at, you know, we talked about counting ratios before. If you have variations, and again, unexplained things, things that follow the story of your business, yes, you can have changes and things that are different and things that don't line up. But when the story doesn't follow the ratios, the ratios don't follow the story, then it's kind of like, okay, what else is going on? Something's strange here. <laughs> so right. we need to right. back it up and figure out what that underlying cause is. And it can be potentially fraud. It could be other things as we dig into it. Just want to research that a little bit more. Looking at things like customer complaints and the types of complaints, obviously, if there's payment arguments, things that are going on, you know, you want to kind of keep an eye on on that and what the situation is. And another really huge one that they hit on a lot for auditors and accountants to watch out for is people who are living beyond their means. Like if if someone, you know what they make, they work for you, <laughs> right? I mean, typically. Um, so, and all of a sudden they have a yacht or, you know, something like that. I want to make sure, you know, you just kind of think about it. I mean, not that they can't buy one or maybe their husband or wife makes a lot more money or, you know, whatever, you right. know, but you just, if you keep seeing strange things like that, sometimes that's a sign <laughs> they're getting some money from somewhere else. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So not taking vacations or taking maybe too many vacations. (laughs) (laughs) That's a possibility. Well, we covered a lot of information here. And obviously we referenced that, that website that we pulled all of this data from. And like I said, they have additional resources. It's businessfraudprevention.org. And additionally, if you have a company that maybe you haven't built these internal processes into your business yet and you want some help, we can help you do that. We have the experience, you know, our CPAs, our VCFOs, they're used to this. They've done this a million times over and they know what to look out for. They know how to protect your business. So if you're interested in that and want to talk to somebody, we offer a free discovery call. You can reach out to us and book that on pjscpas.com forward slash contact. And before I let y'all go, Katina, I always ask if there's anything you want to leave our listeners with as we wrap up the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is to not, again, not get paralyzed by anything, you know, just move forward, but do it smartly. Set up those processes and procedures, which help your business in so many ways, including protecting you against fraud. So just, you know, take some time, you know, as you go through to start working on those processes and procedures and that'll, that'll help you out and your business will grow and flourish. Fantastic. Thanks, Katina. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.